There are more ways than ever to listen to History Daily ad-free. Listen with Wondery Plus in the Wondery app, or you can get all of History Daily plus other fantastic history podcasts at intohistory.com. I gave this episode of History Daily a good kick, and it started right up, even having sat from when it originally aired on December 22, 2021. It's April 1895. A hot midday sun blazes over the southwestern Atlantic, where a ship plows through choppy surf. In the distance, a featureless horizon is broken by the outline of a tropical island, a thicket of palm trees silhouetted against the azure sky. This vessel, a convict ship, carries condemned criminals from France. But on this particular voyage, there's only one prisoner on board, a man convicted of selling state secrets to an enemy power. Below deck, the prisoner sits hunched in his dark cell. He's in his mid-thirties, with a bristly brown mustache and an inscrutable expression. Behind wireframe spectacles, his dark, intelligent eyes are downcast, but defiant. He hears a distant splash as the anchor is thrown overboard. There's a scraping sound, and suddenly the cell is filled with blinding light. The prisoner squints up into the sun. A guard looms over him, a sneering smile on his face. The guard tells him that they've arrived at Devil's Island, a penal colony off the coast of Guiana in South America, a tiny rock outcrop surrounded by miles of roiling ocean. There's a smattering of buildings on the island, a lookout tower, a wooden outhouse, and a stone hut, but not much more to shelter anyone from the South American sun beating down with a fierce intensity. The guard marches the prisoner up a path towards a hut. He throws him inside and locks the door prisoner looks around the sparse room. There's a bed, a chair, and a writing desk. There are windows, but an external wall has been constructed to prevent him from looking at the ocean. This type of isolation would be a brutal punishment for any guilty criminal, but it is made all the worse by the fact that the prisoner is innocent. So this man, Alfred Dreyfus, sinks onto his hard bed in despair. But back in France, his case has sparked a fire. A small group of devoted supporters fervently believe that Dreyfus is not guilty. And ever since the day of his sentencing, December 22, 1894, they have been fighting to prove Dreyfus innocent and reveal a scandal that will shake the very foundations of French society. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. History Daily is sponsored by Audible. They say life is a mystery, but come on, it's not. When in your daily life are things mysterious, you really don't know what's going to happen next? They should say life is pretty much always exactly how you expect it to be. But that is boring. So if your everyday life feels a bit everyday, fight the mundanity with mystery. Literal mystery. Like Esquire Magazine's number one best mystery novel of all time, Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. As an Audible member, you can choose one title every month to keep forever from the entire catalog of classics, bestsellers, new releases, and Audible originals, ready for listening whenever, wherever on the Audible app. 
New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash history daily or text history daily to 500 500. That's audible.com slash history daily or text history daily to 500 500. From Noiser and Airship, I'm Lindsey Graham, and this is History Daily. History is made every day. On this podcast, every day, we tell the true stories of the people and events that shaped our world. Today is December 22nd, 1894, the Dreyfus Affair. It's September 1894, seven months before Alfred Dreyfus arrives at Devil's Island. Inside the German embassy in Paris, a cleaning lady hums tunelessly as she pushes her broom along an empty second-floor corridor. When she reaches the end of the hallway, she stops humming, and with a furtive glance over her shoulder, she pushes open a door and enters the office of the German military attaché, Max von Schwarzkoppen. She hurries over to a wastebasket in the corner of the room, reaches inside, and pulls out a handful of torn paper. She stuffs the shredded pieces inside a pouch concealed beneath her dress, and then promptly exits the office. The cleaner then leaves the embassy and disappears into the crowd of pedestrians on the street. She wraps her coat tightly around her and lowers her head, watching her feet glance across wet cobblestones as she walks quickly across town to the headquarters of the French Army's Intelligence Bureau. Moments later, she hands the torn pieces of paper to her employer, counter-espionage officer named Major Hubert Joseph Henri. Following France's defeat to Germany in the Franco-Prussian War of 1870, the French government took every possible measure to prevent another humiliation. That's why they are employing this cleaning lady as a spy, to go through the contents of the German embassy's garbage looking for military secrets. So far, she hasn't found anything of interest. But today, as Major Henri pieces together the ripped shreds of paper, his eyes widen. It's a bordereau, a detailed account of French military tactics addressed to Max von Schwarzkoppen. Written in scrawled, cursive handwriting, the bordereau contains top-secret information that only a French officer could know. Somebody within the French ranks has been leaking secrets to the Germans. The inquiry to find the person responsible begins immediately. The heads of the counter-espionage division go through a list of potential culprits. One particular name leaps out, that of a 34-year-old army captain named Alfred Dreyfus. Dreyfus was born in Alsace, a German-speaking region of France annexed by Germany after the Franco-Prussian War. Being of Alsatian origin, Dreyfus is an outsider. He's also unpopular among other soldiers who consider him haughty and taciturn. And even though Dreyfus grew up in Paris, this tangential connection to Germany through Alsace is enough to make his detractors doubt his loyalties to France. But in the eyes of many in the French military establishment, Dreyfus's biggest crime is that he's Jewish. Catholicism is the dominant religion in France at this time, influencing all civic life. And in this Catholic nation, anti-Semitism is rampant. And so, as a result of prejudice and paranoia, Dreyfus is summoned before the Minister of War, General Mercier, for what he believes is a routine inspection. But it soon becomes clear to Dreyfus that he's been summoned under false pretenses. Another officer, a so-called handwriting expert, calmly produces a sheet of paper and pen. He dictates a letter and asks Dreyfus to write. Dreyfus is perplexed, 
but years of military service have instilled in him an unquestioning respect of authority, so he dutifully obliges. As Dreyfus writes, the handwriting expert nods at General Mercier, who whips out the border row and slams it on the table, his eyes burning with vindication. Mercier points out the similarities between the two handwriting styles. But in fact, there are many glaring differences between Dreyfus's handwriting and that of the Bordereau. But it's close enough for high command, so they arrest Dreyfus on suspicion of conspiring with an enemy power. Dreyfus insists there's been some mistake. He would never betray France. The insinuation alone is a terrible affront to Dreyfus, who loves his country deeply. But his protestations fall on deaf ears, and he is thrown into a cell in a military prison in Paris. In the months leading up to his trial, Dreyfus is demonized in the press, especially in the highly popular Catholic newspaper La Croix, and soon public opinion turns against him. But Dreyfus has one thing on his side. There's no evidence against him. He's confident that any reasonable judge will instantly see the difference between his handwriting and the true author of the Boudreau. Going into trial, Dreyfus's lawyer is equally confident that his client will be acquitted. The military court convenes on December 19, 1894, and during the opening proceedings, it becomes clear that the prosecution is grasping at straws. They can't point at one single motive Dreyfus might have for betraying his country, and even the handwriting claims fail to stand up to scrutiny. Soon the judges leave to deliberate, and Dreyfus is feeling optimistic. But with acquittal now looking increasingly likely, the military high command decides to play its trump card. They have prepared a secret dossier containing more correspondence from the office of the German attaché, Schwarzkoppen. In one letter, Schwarzkoppen refers to somebody as the scoundrel D. Unbeknownst to the defense, General Mercier submits this dossier to the judges, who decide that the use of Dreyfus's initial is sufficient proof of his guilt. So on December 22, 1894, the judges unanimously convict Dreyfus of colluding with a foreign power and sentence him to permanent exile. But that is not punishment enough. On January 5th, Dreyfus is marched to the rolling beat of a drum past a baying crowd who spits and calls him a traitor and a Jewish swine. He's stopped, and a French military officer strips him of his army badges and breaks Dreyfus's sword across his knee. But all the while, Dreyfus carries himself with unflinching dignity. He holds his arms above his head, repeatedly saying, Innocent! Innocent! Long live France! But in the minds of the military, the press, and the public, Dreyfus is nothing but guilty. Then on February 21st, the most despised man in France embarks on a voyage to Devil's Island, a penal colony off the coast of Guiana, where he expects to live out the rest of his days in solitary confinement. But a small group of supporters will continue to fight on Dreyfus's behalf, seeking to prove him innocent. History Daily is sponsored by Mint Mobile. No matter what the social media rise and grind blathering says, no growth hacking is going to 10x your income. When it comes to earning more, the best advice might be some of the oldest. Like one of Benjamin Franklin's favorites, a penny saved is a penny earned. And to save thousands and thousands of pennies, no hacks needed, just switch to Mint Mobile, who has wireless plans starting at $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. That was perfect for getting a new line for my daughter. Resurrecting an old phone for her was so easy. And Mint Mobile is just 15 bucks a month. Easy, inexpensive, Benjamin Franklin approved. 
Get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month shipped to your door for free at mintmobile.com slash history daily. That's mintmobile.com slash history daily. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash history daily. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's March 1896, over a year since Dreyfus was found guilty. In Paris, Major Georges Picard, the new chief of staff of the Army Intelligence Bureau, examines another batch of documents stolen from the German embassy. As he sits in his office, twirling his mustache as he studies the papers, one document catches his eye. The handwriting looks familiar. To Picard, it looks identical to the handwriting from the Bordereau that was attributed to Dreyfus except this letter is signed by a French officer named Ferdinand Walson Estrahazy. His heart racing, Major Picard finds more letters written by this Estrahazy. And given that the letters are all addressed to the German attaché Schwarzkopf, the Major begins to contemplate the consequences of what he's discovered. If Estrahazy was the one leaking secrets to the Germans, Dreyfus is innocent. Picard launches an inquiry into Estrahazy, but he keeps it hidden from the military high command aware of the already politically charged nature of the Dreyfus case. And indeed, Dreyfus's imprisonment is beginning to divide public opinion. Dreyfus's brother, Mathieu, has been campaigning tirelessly for a retrial, spreading awareness of the injustice among liberal journalists. But most of the populace still widely regards Dreyfus as guilty. Many in the press have taken his incarceration as confirmation of their long-held suspicions that Jews represent a threat to decent, law-abiding Catholic friends. According to many influential voices in the media, France's problems can all be attributed to the decline of traditional Christian values undermined by bohemians, bankers, and intellectuals, many of whom are Jewish. Meanwhile, Picard discovers that Estrahazy, the French officer whom he suspects is the source of the leaks, is a former counter-espionage officer known as a man of lax morals and with a gambling problem. To Major Picard, it seems likely that Estrahazy would sell French secrets to pay off his debts. So Picard presents his findings to high command. He does not expect the reaction he gets. The military establishment has a vested interest in keeping Dreyfus locked up. If they admit to making a mistake, they will look weak. So rather than begin a formal investigation into Estrahazy, high command swiftly transfers Picard out of the country into Tunisia. Meanwhile, Picard's deputy, Major Henri, the man who originally identified the Bordereau, begins forging evidence against Dreyfus and slandering his former boss, Picard. His forgeries are amateurish, but they convince High Command to drop any suspicions about Dreyfus's innocence. By the autumn of 1897, almost three years after Dreyfus was exiled, Picard's original discoveries about Estrahazy become public. Support for Dreyfus reaches a peak. Led by his brother Mathieu, the Dreyfusards, as his supporters are known, include the famous novelist Emile Zola 
and even the vice president of the French Senate. Caving to mounting political pressure, High Command finally agrees to prosecute Estrahazy before a military court. But the trial is a sham. On January 10, 1898, Estrahazy is acquitted. Instead, Picard, who has returned from Tunisia, is arrested for publicizing military intelligence. It's a gross miscarriage of justice, and it prompts the novelist Emile Zola to write his famous open letter, J'accuse, in which he accuses the French government of anti-Semitism and conspiring to convict an innocent man. When J'accuse is published on the front page of a popular newspaper, it immediately makes a dramatic impression, galvanizing the Dreyfusards and antagonizing their opponents. Anti-Semitic riots break out across the country. Zola himself is put on trial and convicted of libel. But the Dreyfusard's appeals make their way up to the highest echelons of the French state. And in August 1898, the evidence against Dreyfus is reviewed again. Major Henri, the counter-espionage officer who forged evidence, is summoned by the Minister of War and asked to explain some apparent inconsistencies in the documents. Buckling under pressure, Major Henri confesses to forging documents to incriminate Dreyfus. He's placed under arrest before slitting his own throat while in police custody. With Major Henri dead and the tide of public opinion shifting, Alfred Dreyfus will finally be given a retrial and an opportunity to clear his name. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's June 9, 1899, on Devil's Island, over four years since Dreyfus's trial. Dreyfus lies shackled to his bed, as he has been every night since his arrival on the island. Remarkably, Dreyfus has stayed sharp and lucid. He preserved his sanity by reading books and writing letters home to his wife, Lucy. He's writing one of those letters when he's interrupted by a familiar sound, a key twisting in the lock to his cell. The guard enters and unfastens his manacles, Dreyfus sits up, massaging his bruised wrists. The guard tells him to gather his meager possessions. He's going back to France. Dreyfus knows nothing of the events of the last four years. The escalating scandal, the war of public opinion, the riots and rallies and campaigns for his release. He only knows that he's being brought back to France 
for a retrial. Standing in court again in Rennes, France in August 1899, Dreyfus is hopeful, but again the trial is rigged. The military high command is still unwilling to admit wrongdoing, and a judge finds Dreyfus guilty a second time. When as part of the verdict, the judge offers amnesty, which Dreyfus accepts. Finally, in 1906, over 10 years after his wrongful conviction, Dreyfus will be fully pardoned and all prior convictions will be reversed. He will be reinstated in the army and will serve as a colonel in World War I fighting the Germans. In 1935, at the age of 75, he will die a decorated soldier and a beloved hero of France. The Dreyfus Affair was a reckoning for French society, an ideological battle that pitched nationalism, populism, and anti-Semitism against the Enlightenment ideals of liberty and equality. In 1905, a law was passed separating church and state, safeguarding religious freedom and preventing the Catholic Church from holding excessive power over the courts. And in these long-lasting measures, the impact of the Dreyfus Affair which began with a guilty verdict on December 22, 1894, can still be seen in France today. In 2021, French President Emmanuel Macron said of Dreyfus that nothing could repair the injustices he suffered and let us not aggravate it by forgetting, deepening, or repeating them. Next on History Daily, December 25, 1989. Romanian dictator Nicolae Ceausescu and his wife Elena are executed during the Romanian Revolution, leading to the collapse of one of Europe's most repressive communist regimes. Thanks for listening to History Daily. But did you know that you can listen ad-free in the Wondery or Amazon Music app? Or for even more history content, including the entire History Daily archive and other fantastic history podcasts, go to intohistory.com. From Noiser and Airship, this is History Daily, hosted, edited, and executive produced by me, Lindsey Graham. Audio editing and sound design by Derek Barrons. Music by Lindsey Graham. This episode is written and researched by Joe Viner. Executive producers are Stephen Walters for Airship and Pascal Hughes for Noiser. Wondery, this is Black History for Real. I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Conscious Lee. What do most <laughs> people think about when they hear the words Black History? Rosa Parks, Reconstruction, MLK, February, Black History Exactly, Mom. exactly. There are so many stories of Black History that we just are not really talking about or thinking about, especially outside of February. And we are about to flip the script on all of that. Because on this show, you're going to hear a little less... In August 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And a little bit more. She is a heroine to some, as a fighter for black rights. She is a villain to others. Follow Black History for Real on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen everywhere on February 5th, or you can listen early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting January 29th. Join Wondery Plus on the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Black